What is the threat doing right now? How does it pertain to the mission area that we're looking at? So we're very interested in uh, threat sharing, both from an informative standpoint, but also to help them uh, understand how to best inform their um, investments going forward as well. From the Defense and Aerospace Report, this is The Downlink, a podcast about the intersection of space, the space business, and defense. Not just what's over the horizon, but what's happening above it. I'm your host, Laura Winter. Hey there, podcasters. There's been a lot of talk, years of it actually, about the U.S. Space Force working more closely with the commercial sector, specifically small and medium-sized businesses, because it's in these smaller, sometimes bootstrapping companies where you'll find a lot of the creativity that gives the United States its edge commercially and in the battle space. Until recently, a common grievance among new space market entrants has been navigating the maze to simply get a meeting some FaceTime with the Space Force's Space Systems Command. That's the organization responsible for acquiring and delivering space warfighting capabilities to the Space Force. To be fair, multiple doorways to entry have been built and used. There's been the establishment of Spaceworks and more than a dozen reverse industry days. That's where Space Force officials explain the threats and what capabilities they're looking for. And behind the security fence on Los Angeles Air Force Base, there's the commercial space office. But time is not a friend, and patience may be a virtue, because China, the so-called pacing threat, is increasing its military spending this year by 7.2%. China's space-minded troops under the Strategic Support Force are sure to see a bump in their budget line. So there's pressure on the U.S. Space Force, Space Systems Command, and its commercial space office to get that technological edge over adversaries in the space domain to either develop it or find it in the commercial sector. This episode is about the commercial space office's new physical front door inside an office park in Chantilly, Virginia. The new office is called Cosmic. The Space Systems Command Commander, Lieutenant General Michael Gutlein, just opened it this week. So that brings me to this facility. We needed a place where we could collaborate a place where we didn't have to fight through a lot of security to get to to have conversations, uh, that we could have uh, open dialogue uh, both at the individual 1v1 level and as, as well in the group, and that's what Cosmic's all about. It's 10,000 square feet of getting after collaboration space. It is a nucleus for existing network relationships that we already have. I told you I asked for it to be in Chantilly. Why did I do that? because Pete Moon is already across the street building out the commercial services for the NRO, because I'm right up the street from NGA, because I'm right down the street from the commercial uh, SATCOM office, because I'm right down the street from the uh, Space Development Agency. It was the perfect nucleus location to bring all of these groups together in in one uh, location where we can continue to collaborate. The point of Cosmic is to make it easier for new space companies and their new technologies to get plugged into the Space Force's supply chain quickly and to easily collaborate with other space-minded military and intelligence stakeholders. Joining the Space Force officers will be staff from the Virginia Tech Applied Research Corporation. 
After the ribbon cutting, I was able to speak with Colonel Rich Nisley, who leads Space Systems Command's Commercial Space Office. But first, we'll hear from Sal Pascal, who has the keys to Cosmic's front door. Here's our conversation. Hi, Sal. Thank you so much for making the time to come on the Downlink Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Sal, before we get into what's happening here today with Cosmic, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and what you do here at the Cosmic office? Well, my name is Sal, and I am a project manager for Virginia Tech Applied Research Corporation. Uh, I took over Cosmic as far as part of our partnership in a media agreement funded with the Air Force Office of Scientific Research, and we brought them on as a new funding partner for this current fiscal year. Our overall goal is to stand up a collaboration and innovation center to foster T3. Well, take a moment more and explain what is T3? T3 is technology transition and transfer. Our focus and mission is to help accelerate commercial technology to enhance the abilities of the warfighter. And the money is coming from the Air Force in in some ways, but isn't this really about space? It is space. So think of the Air Force and Space Force the exact same way as you would the Marines and the Navy. Uh, Albeit separate, they're still one combined entity. And how does Virginia Tech sort of mesh into COSMIC? And, And maybe even before that, if you could explain, what does COSMIC stand for? I mean, it's an acronym as well, isn't it? Yes, ma'am. So COSMIC itself stands for the Commercial Space Marketplace for Innovation and Collaboration. So where Virginia Tech Applied Research Corporation comes in, well, first off, let's explain Virginia Tech Applied Research Corporation. We are a loose affiliate with uh, Virginia Tech, the educational institution, and we focus on basic research and government contracting. Um, So we started a contract with the Air Force Office of Scientific Research. This is our, I believe, our third iteration. This was far before my time with Virginia Tech Applied Research Corporation. Uh, So forgive me if I um, misspeak on a few numbers. Um, But we are on a partnership intermediary agreement. And all of it, as I said uh, previous, is that we focus on T3 in relation to the Air Force Office of Scientific Research and the Air Force Research Laboratory. And how long did it take to pull all this together? And, and, you know, who's all involved? I mean, we've got people from NGA here, the Defense Innovation Unit, uh, the NRO. I'm missing some other acronyms of space-affiliated folks. And they're like gallstones throw away from here. I mean, what's going on? This is like space ground zero. Um, I really can't speak to the other organizations in the surrounding area, but I I will tell you how Cosmic itself came to be. Uh, So I also run another program uh, as far as the partnership intermediary uh, agreement is concerned. It's called AFWorks, and they deal with uh, funding to commercial entities for the most part. Um, The Space Force was inquiring about how to get a basic research facility, and uh, Through our contacts within the Air Force Office of Scientific Research and the good work we've done for them, they reached out to us, and I was able to put on a demonstration of our capabilities and kind of do a mock stand-up of what their facility could look like in the future. Um, They liked what we were able to present, and starting last fiscal year, uh, we entered into... um, we, they entered it as a funding partner for our current PIA, which is called the BRIC PIA. And between September of 2022 until now, uh, it has taken that amount of time to stand up this facility. And what do you hope to actually accomplish here? I mean, there are a lot of space businesses here. 
Lieutenant General Goodline said that this is really the open the door of the open door to Space Systems Command in the commercial sector. So how is this going to work, and what do you want this to accomplish? I would like to, I guess, bridge the gap between the DOD and uh, commercial industry. Um, both sides have points of technology and advancement that we could share with each other to benefit humanity as a whole, not just the warfighter, but the world in general. Uh, with advancements being made in AI and machine learning on both sides of the house, we can come together as one unified kind of entity and benefit mankind as a whole. Sal, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. The place where Sal wants to bridge the gap is kind of a cool and hip joint with sports drinks and sweet and salty snacks, but it's also got offices and demonstration areas and equipment, even a well-kitted out podcasting studio that I'd be proud to have as my own. But all this coolness aside, how is this really going to work? And who's in charge from the Space Force? Well, that's my next guest, Space Force Colonel Rich Nisley. Here's our conversation. Hi, Rich. Thank you so much for making the time to come on the Downlink Podcast. Hi, Laura. It's great to meet you, and I'm uh, just happy to be here and uh, look forward to all your questions. Rich, before we start talking about Cosmic and the opening of this office and, you know, what it means uh, to integrate commercial space more with the needs of the Space Force, tell us a little bit about you, where you're stationed, what you do, you know, how you got here. So, name is uh, Colonel Rich Nisley. I have, uh, it's kind of interesting to say that I've been in the Air Force for 21 years, but I've been in the Space Force for two years, so I've been in two services. Uh, my background is uh, primarily a space acquisition officer, program manager by trade. Uh, I've had kind of a varied career where I've done four years of flight test, uh, depot uh, tour, uh, learning about uh, sustainment, uh, but I've also worked in uh, multiple different staffs at the uh, MAGCOM center level, as well as uh, on uh, air staff. And uh, one of my unique uh, uh, tours uh, while I was on air staff was I spent a year being a legislative liaison. So I supported the uh, space portfolio uh, with the uh, professional staff members, the uh, PSMs that work on the various different uh, committees. Uh, specifically the uh, HASC and the SASC. And I have uh, now held a, a material leader position uh, in launch. Uh, I've done uh, two launch tours. And uh, now I have, as of April, I am now the uh, senior material leader for the Commercial Space Office. And, and just for me, because I, I feel like a, a bit of an idiot here, but what's the difference between material and material? So uh, the uh, designation of our command positions for acquisitions are uh, designated as materiel. Uh, material or actual, you know, physical substances, whereas materiel, kind of like uh, the Air Force Materiel Command, uh, that's how we designate our, uh, our commanders. So a materiel leader is the equivalent of a squadron commander in acquisition speak. And a senior material leader position is uh, normally at the group commander level on the operational side. And 
how did you get involved in space? When I mean, you said that you've been involved with, uh, you know, two, at least two launches, two, you said two launch tours, which I'm not really sure what that all encompasses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how did you get into space? So my first uh, assignment in the Air Force was at a uh, formerly uh, Space and Missile Systems Center, headquartered it out at uh, Los Angeles. And uh, I, I walked right into space acquisitions. Uh, my first tour was in the uh, GPS Joint Program Office, uh, where I worked on a program called the uh, Combat Survivor Evader Locator System. And uh, I did that for two years. And uh, some people might remember when uh, Scott O'Grady got shot down. And when he got shot down, he was in between two mountain valleys. So his line of sight radio was not working to uh, vector in the uh, rescue helicopter. So uh, we were designing a a locator system that used uh, over-the-air capabilities, uh, primarily through SATCOM, where you were able to send uh, canned text messages, uh, your sit rep, if you will, uh, are you in danger, are you hurt, are you underneath a bunch of leaves and stuff. And you were able to vector in the, uh, the rescue helicopter, but it also had a push-to-talk capability as well, so it was a walkie-talkie also. The second assignment I had, or the second uh, part of my tour was developing uh, what we now refer to as uh, modernized um, uh, GPS user equipment, which is a secure GPS signal now uh, so that uh, when uh, the uh, commercial GPS uh, waveform is, uh, is jammed, we have a secure waveform that is uh, much more survivable in that field. So I have actually been involved in space for the better part of my uh, career, both on the acquisition side, uh, you know, doing uh, some aspects of uh, launch operations as we are uh, we're mating together the uh, satellite vehicle with the launch vehicle. So I've had a, a very good deal of space experience, but then also working it in the headquarters where you're defending the budget, but then also working with uh, members of Congress as you're uh, uh, helping them understand the capabilities, why we need it, but also being that uh, that conduit and that uh, communication source between the uh, program office and also members of Congress. And I think what everybody needs to understand that members of Congress, especially on those uh, defense committees, are huge stakeholders for us and they want to see things ultimately succeed because they they have true care for the war fighters and making sure that that capability gets out there well, that and it's also taxpayer money so Absolutely. yeah it's it's a it's a duty of care in a way mm-hmm. Absolutely. They want to make sure that the taxpayer dollar is uh, being utilized correctly. Uh, They want to understand uh, why uh, programs may be slipping. Uh, Can they help at all? And uh, as well as uh, understanding the ripple effects that if they were to take funds away, what does that do to a program? Or also, if we have more funds available, how would you best utilize those? Well, Speaking of money and acquisitions, you know, you've had a lot of interactions with space businesses. So we're here today for the opening of Cosmic. Mm -hmm. What was the requirement? I mean, what was the 
instigation? What was the the demand signal that said, right, we have to open this office in Chantilly, Virginia? So Cosmic is our physical headquarters for the commercial space office, and it is our commercial collaboration center. And uh, Lieutenant General Gutline uh, started uh, us on this path about a year ago to stand up this uh, physical office. And the rationale of making it in uh, Chantilly, Virginia, is the proximity to our our partners. Uh, down the road, you have the uh, the NRO. Uh, close by, you have the NGA. The space uh, the space development agency is nearby. NASA is also nearby. So it was, uh, from a government standpoint, having it in close proximity so that we can have more collaboration, more events where we're all coming together and sharing information. And I think that uh, it is very clearly articulated that, you know, this commercial, you know, building on the commercial momentum is really all about partnerships. And Laura, you mentioned, you know, duplication of efforts and everything. That that allows us to get together, have those conversations to understand, uh, you know, which agency is best suited for that mission area so that we're not going after the same things. But the other benefit of having it here in Chantilly, Virginia, was also the proximity to industry. And that is really also bringing industry together with government agencies. Because, you know, I think early on in my acquisition career, you know, that sometimes it was always kind of viewed as an us against them. And, you know, and uh, I don't want to say adversarial, but it was, you know, you hold those cl- cards close hold. But now with this commercial market, how fast it's going, uh, it is not just the government uh, standing up and uh, keep and sustaining an industrial base. The commercial industrial base is just booming right now, and it's on us to take advantage of that. So bringing industry in, having an ability to bring uh, together industry days, to have that that conversation, to get that one-on-one feedback so that we can develop our systems and more in line with their commercial uh, base so that we're so we're, that we're not taking them too far out of uh, their commercial market and really being a, a customer not just a full-up sustainer but also helping them understand some of our problems and then listening to them on how they would tackle a situation I think that that is just huge benefits of having this uh, this physical location you know that, I mean, there have been, you know, for a while, some complaints about classification. And this is just in, in terms of, you know, getting these new space businesses that are coming up with the new technologies, you know, into your ecosystem. And, you know, I've heard today that there's a real look at how to do this at the unclassified level. How is that going to work? Uh, now, when you say that, like, you know, commercial at an unclassified level? or what Is it at a, at a classified level that, you know, that there's integration and that, that there is there is already, how should I say, conversations at least on what the requirement is mm-hmm. um, to, you know, companies that haven't, you know, that don't have the classified, mm-hmm. you know, have clearances yet, right? 
And and the majority of our industry days and our reverse industry days are held at the unclassified level. And that's for us to have, you know, those transparent conversations of where we want to go with our architectures and our requirements. I would say uh, also a couple different initiatives uh, in the commercial space office and uh, space systems command. Uh, We are standing up a classified incubator. Uh, this is going to be a, uh, a way and an avenue for companies to get clearances, to be more involved in some of those higher classified uh, conversations. Because the last thing that we want is to, you know, keep doing business in a vacuum. We need to help share some of that information at a very uh, We'll protect our, obviously we'll protect our classified information, but we need to start having those uh, deliberate conversations with uh, industry. Uh, The other thing I'd like to mention also, the commercially augmented space reserve uh, and standing up that framework. Uh, One of the feedbacks that we've received from industry uh, as they are thinking about coming on board with this CASR construct is threat sharing. And that's something that we've actually been doing very well with our industry days. We start our industry days off with a threat briefing at the representative level so that we can almost set the stage of that industry day. What is the threat doing right now? How does it pertain to the mission area that we're looking at? So we're very interested in uh, threat sharing, both from an informative standpoint, but also to help them uh, understand how to best inform their um, investments going forward as well. You also spoke today a lot about, you know, the commercial marketplace, about developing the commercial marketplace, getting a requirement and looking into the commercial marketplace. Could you explain like how how that is, how you envisage that? I just want to be able to give a a clear picture to um, my listeners and also to myself, quite frankly. You know, what do you mean by space commercial marketplace? Is this like a a pre-cleared list of of providers that you already have relationships with? I mean, what is that marketplace? So we've uh, established uh, two commercial marketplaces under the Commercial Space Office. The first one is uh, uh, dealing with uh, space domain awareness. We've been utilizing that one for a number of um, years now, and we have a number of uh, different providers. Uh, We have a uh, kind of what I'll call an onboarding period because the uniqueness of the uh, space domain awareness uh, marketplace That commercial data goes into the uh, JTFSD Commercial Ops Center, and that data and those capabilities are being utilized by operators and uh, allies alike. So we want to make sure that the quality of data is good. We want to make sure that uh, the cybersecurity is good as we bring together multiple uh, uh, forms of data and sources of data. But at that same time, these uh, companies are actually operating together on the same ops floor. So what we're also trying to do is drive home standards of attitude that we want. We want to make sure that the companies work well together as well, that we don't bring on a diva company or anything like that. Uh, The second one that is new but is already bearing uh, fruits right now is a marketplace for surveillance, reconnaissance, and tracking. 
And uh, that's needed right now, specifically as we build up operational planning products, which is fusing together multiple different sources of uh, data. And uh, just recently, we got a request from uh, AFRICOM through the uh, U.S. Embassy at Guinea to target the source of a chemical spill that uh, affected and made over 400 uh, fishermen ill. And so what they wanted to do was target the source and possibly the culprit of that chemical spill. So what uh, we did was we put that requirement into the marketplace and let the limited number of uh, providers that we have, because it's so new, kind of state how they would uh, get after it and possibly take on the task. And so uh, I believe we received the tasking in late May and in early June we necked down the culprit from 350 vessels down to five. And actually through the tracking from that five, we necked down to that one possible culprit. And that is the coolness about that is that is all commercial data, all commercial technology being utilized by our combatant commands. And that is really what we're trying to drive home here in the commercial. And quickly too. I mean, this was, that's lightning fast. Uh, absolutely, especially when prior, this this spill actually happened in mid-April. So that's how far back it is. And we were able to go back into the data archives where the commercial company was to kind of show, okay, here's when it happened. Here's the tracks of all these different ships. Here's the possible five. And then from those five, they were able to go down to one and uh, provide that to the combat commands. And that's the awesome part about space. It is quick data, uh, multiple forms, uh, and then, you know, obviously through the uh, space domain, uh, you know, you're not limited by people or operators or anything. You know, it's it's uh, a lot of the commercial technologies are autonomous and they all go into a data lake and everything. So it's just, it's just, it's just a great success story. And we look forward to having more of those going forward. Now, you've got 10,000 square feet here on the second floor of this building. I'm going to put a bunk in that corner over there. But yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but but really, you know, what are you going to do with all this space? I mean, it's a massive amount of space. I've seen all the really lovely, you know, sports drinks and the snacks and stuff like that. The only thing you're really kind of missing is the ping pong table. Uh <laughs> Yeah, what are, you, what are you going to do here? How are you going to utilize this space? Because it's a great space and a lot of it. So um, number one, we do have a small footprint out here. So I, I've got a team uh, that will uh, utilize some of the office space, uh, you know, and it, it's it's a great collaboration area to bring in our government partners as well as industry, uh, you know, even for one-on-one meetings. And we're not confined by security. Uh, this is an unclassified area. People can walk in, establish, have meetings, and really start to build uh, relationships. The big part about this uh, space, obviously, we're going to be able to hold uh, our industry days here. And uh, we have these normally on the click of at least once a month. And, you know, we're bringing together multiple different areas across the government. This is not just uh, Space Systems Command. We bring in our partners across the Space Force, uh, the NRO, uh, SWAC, 
NGA, uh, NASA, NOAA, depending on the mission area, we bring all of our government entities in, and then we open it up to industry. Anybody that wants to come apart and be a part of these industry days, to and a lot of the times uh, the representative companies are the ones that go after those mission areas that we that we're uh, holding the industry day on. But you know, we need a big space because these things are never small. I mean, these things are always on the magnitude of at least. Two 250, 300 people, which has been great because normally before uh, SSC even started what was the Commercial uh, Services Office. And just for those who don't know, SSC is? Oh, I'm sorry, Space Systems Command, which is the acquisition arm of the uh, United States Space Force. Um, We used to only have maybe four industry days a year. And very limited uh, discussions, uh, very rushed. Now we're getting together once a month and not just uh, what was a Space and Missile Systems Center, but it is all of our partners across uh, the government. And we're driving home those conversations. So what, what COSMIC provides us, this collaboration center, is to have engagements on multiple different levels of, uh, of quantity one-on-ones in office spaces. Uh, We have an awesome podcast room, which we're doing interviews in right now, Uh, a huge industry day type space, but also classrooms downstairs where we could have more, uh, what I would say, company to government one-on-one sessions where you're having it more at like the 25 to 30 person level. But it is not just our area. Any government agency that wants to hold in, in a, a function here, please come and utilize this area. This is not just for us. This is for all of our partners to utilize and to have those conversations. Would it be fair to call this Space Systems Command actual real front door? So we, uh, I would say that this would be a good physical front door. We have our virtual SSC front door, which was established in uh, 2022 as well. And uh, that has really been uh, a game changer. That has been a one-stop shop for uh, industry to come and um, get educated also on how to do business with uh, the government. A lot of these startups want to understand, how do I work with the government? We have educational tools that we can provide to them. uh, And also we are doing assessments and learning about these companies. What missionary are they interested in? How mature is their technology? Uh, learning uh, their investments, uh, learning if uh, uh, foreign ownership, nefarious capital, we're learning all about that. And at that same time, we're sharing it amongst the government so that when NASA or the NRO meets with the same company, there's a community tool that they can go to to best understand ahead of that meeting. Uh, what is this company all about? How was their last interaction with us? And we're constantly doing that uh, back and forth sharing. But uh, we're about to unveil a new website this year, and we're really excited about that. That website is going to help us decrease our response time with industry so that we're being more responsive. We're not dropping calls. And uh, we're also going to be doing, uh, uh, we're also going to be uh, mentoring and, uh, and uh, helping out with a lot of the industry days. So the front door is uh, still open, if you will. It's just now we have a physical door to go through as well. Rich, 
Thank you so much for your time. Laura, thank you very much. I look forward to having uh, more conversations with you in the future. That's it for this week. If you like what you're hearing, follow The Downlink on Twitter and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. For the latest defense news and analysis, listen to the Daily Defense and Aerospace Report podcast hosted by Vago Maradian and listen to Cavus Ships to hear the latest on what's happening in the maritime domain. I'm Laura Winter, and thank you for listening. Thank you.